Everybody. Today on the show, we're welcoming a very special guest, Mike Wiesner. Mike is an International Dark Sky Association member, and he chaired the committee which secured Oracle State Park's designation as an International Dark Sky Park. It's a pretty big deal. Mike has an amazing background as an Air Force pilot and with the Air Force Space Shuttle Program. He has a degree in astrophysics, and he's a noted amateur astronomer who's a passionate advocate for Arizona's dark skies. Mike is a bit of a legend here at our agency for his amazing work with our International Dark Sky Designated Parks, and he's here today to tell us how that all came to be. The value of the dark skies is something that Mike is going to share about, and he's going to tell us how we can all enjoy the wonders of the night. So let's dive into our conversation with Mike. Let's go back in time to 2012. And Oracle State Park had closed mostly because of the recession. And then it reopened in 2012. And then only two short years later, it was designated as an official uh, dark sky park. You know, so, and Mike, I know you played a huge part in that. Can you kind of uh, go into a little bit of detail about how all that came to fruition and then we'll kind of lead into star parties from there? Okay. Um, So um, my wife and I bought our retirement land here in Oracle in 2004. And when I got a chance to early retire in 2007 from the aerospace company I was working at in Southern California, uh, we said thank you for the early retirement. Goodbye. We're moving to Arizona. Uh, so we got here in Oracle, got our house built, moved in summer of 2009 and built my observatory out here and just really enjoying the night sky. It was beautiful, clear nights, uh, very little light pollution in this area. Um, we're kind of protected from any sort of light from Tucson area because of Mount Lemmon and the Catalina Mountains between being between us and, and Tucson. And that helps. Of course, Tucson already has a lot of very stringent outdoor lighting codes. So their lighting is very minimal anyway. But I'm out there in my observatory and just enjoying our night sky. And I knew there was a state park here in Oracle, but I had not yet visited it. So one night in February of 2014, I'm out in my observatory, just you know, looking up at the sky, which I do a lot when I'm out there, just look up, enjoy the stars. And I'm saying, you know, it's really dark here. Um, I'm an IDA member, International Dark Sky Association, and I know they have these dark, International Dark Sky Places program to designate communities and parks and, and other uh, areas. And hmm, we've got a state park just four miles east of where I live. Uh, IDA's headquartered in Tucson. I wonder if they would be interested in trying to get this park here in Oracle designated as an international dark sky park. So I reached out to IDA, uh, a gentleman that I had known for a few years was working there. And he said, oh, we would love to have an international dark sky park right in our backyard. I'm 30 miles away from Tucson. Um, so then I contacted the park and said, Hey, you know, I've got this crazy idea. What do you think if we get the park designated as an international dark sky park? 
course, the park loved it. Uh, we had a preliminary meeting at the park with uh, a couple of people from IDA, uh, park manager from Catalina, who at the time uh, was also the Oracle State Park manager in 2014 and met with the, the Oracle State Park uh, park ranger. Um, and you know, everybody said, yeah, this looks doable, let's do it. This would be such a, a great addition to what Oracle State Park is. The full name of Oracle State Park is Oracle State Park Center for Environmental Education. So it fits perfectly within their mission and what they want to do, the, the message that they want to get out to the public about what this park is. So we, with the help of the friends of Oracle State Park, uh, we formed the Oracle Dark Skies Committee at its first meeting in April of 2014. And by the end of June, we had completed our application to submit to IDA. You guys weren't messing around. <laughs> no, you were moving. You know, we, we, we met every week. Uh, we pulled this thing together. I kind of I was the chairman of the committee since it was my crazy idea, and I really pushed the committee. But the neat thing about the committee members, these were residents, these were business owners from the community of Oracle, and they believed in protecting their dark sky heritage. They also loved the park. This park, you know, Oracle State Park, you know, it's part of the community here. It's part of the, the mystique of Oracle. Uh, so, you know, anything that helps the park, this community is all for. Um, so, yeah, we put this thing together in what was record time. We submitted it to IDA at the end of June. Uh, the process at IDA is there's a committee that reviews all applications from all over the world. Uh, and that process can take about three months to complete. Um, and then they submit it to the IDA Board of Directors. And the Board of Directors is made up of uh, very experienced people in all, all aspects of living on this planet. Um, so they review it and then they approved it at the end of September. So we went basically in, in six months, we were designated as an international dark sky park. Um, that then turned into paying many, many, many dividends for the park system here. Uh, when new executive director was appointed by the governor in, in 2015, she opened up the park seven days a week. It had only been open up on weekends. Uh, she hired a full-time park manager for the park, increased the staff, because what we started seeing very early on was visitors to the park well, increased. Yeah. And I'm sure that that happened because uh, one thing Elizabeth and I were talking about is that people that live in like population centers, a lot of times they they kind of just stay there like in the cities, like in Tucson or Phoenix. And that by promoting that as an international dark sky park and the, all the local buzz down there, I'm sure you introduced the night sky to thousands of people that would other, otherwise not exactly know what the night sky really looked like. Cause it looks a lot different out there than it does from town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The residents here of Oracle, uh, what we have found out over the years since getting this, working on and then getting the designation, is they love their dark sky heritage. Many of the residents uh, grew up here back in the 50s. They're living in their parents' home. They're living in their grandparents' home. Uh, so they know what these guys used to look like back in the you know, middle part of the last century. Um, 
they really want to protect that because that's part of their lifestyle. That's part of the cultural here. In fact, just this past week, I learned something new. Back in the 1980s, there was a big survey done of the residents here in the community. And it was um, people knocking on doors, uh, getting flyers mailed out to them, articles in the newspaper. um, And they said, you know, what do you love about living in Oracle? Well, number two on the list of things they liked, loved about living in Oracle was the dark sky. Mm. So, um, you know, this is part of the culture here. It's part of the heritage. It's part of the lifestyle here. Um, Certainly, Oracle State Park, uh, as we discovered after we got the designation and we started drawing people in from all over the state and all over the country, and as it turned out from all over the world, this is a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. And because of where it's located, it's hard to get to. It's off the beaten path. Uh, but boy, once people find out about this park, day and night, they want to return, and they do return. That's right. Uh, people move into Tucson. They move into Saddlebrook. They move into Saddlebrook Ranch, uh, retirement communities, or or they move into Oracle. Uh, they find out about the park either through the star parties and other events that happen at the park, or they come out here for hiking. They come back a lot. Yeah. So I um, had my first visit recently and I, I joined the star party and, you know, it really is a magical experience. And I can see, Mike, when you say people want to come back, you go once and you just, you need more of that magic in your life because it really is, um, this this it feels secluded. It feels special. It feels preserved, and you're going to have this night sky experience that you you don't have in many places in the whole world anymore. Really, it's so dark, right. and that darkness it it's almost it creates this stillness and this quietness. I mean, the star parties are super fun. The latest one you guys had at Oracle, you had a food truck and there was music and dancing and all the telescopes you could look through. So it was really fun. But even amongst all that activity, there was this stillness that you could feel. You know, if you turned around away from all that fun stuff, you were looking out into this really dark abyss and you know it's teeming with life, but everything feels so calm and quiet and still and you're just surrounded by these vibrant stars and night sky objects, things that you you didn't know there were that many stars and you're just looking with your own eyes. And then you look in a telescope and that's even more magical because now you've had all of the extra things revealed to you that you didn't know were there. It's really beautiful. I, right. I love that experience. It was wonderful. It got me hooked. The um, you know, people who are into nature, uh, into uh, you know, enjoying their environment, um, enjoying just being outside, they get excited when they have this maybe a new opportunity to be out under a very dark sky. If they live in a, a, a city where there's lots of light around all night long, you know, they can't really get that experience. Uh, they, they, and in fact, they don't even know what they're missing until they do get away from those lights and come out into a dark area and, and 
just what you're describing. There's this calmness that comes over you. There's this very therapeutic value. After we bought our land here in Oracle while I was still working, I, I would drive over from Southern California about once a month with a tent and a telescope and spend a night or two out here. And I'd get back on Monday morning and my boss would always tell me, boy, going out there must be very therapeutic for you because you always come back re-energized, excited <laughs> about doing different stuff. Uh, so, so what is it about that you know, experience with under the night sky that is very therapeutic for you? Well, that's how humans have evolved over you know, millions of years of life on this planet. So it's part of our life. There's a day activity and there's a calming nighttime activity. What's that day. called the circadian uh, rhythm? Uh, circadian rhythm, it is. But we, well, the, yeah, the circadian, the circadian rhythm yeah. uh, is sort of a broad name for a lot of things, uh, but it, it is tied to the, you know roughly twelve-hour day-night cycle. And there's lots of things that our body does to try to keep it healthy that occur at nighttime. And it's not nighttime by the clock; it's nighttime by the lack of light. So there are sensors around your eye, not in your eye per se, um, that are detecting a decrease in brightness around you. And so normally about an hour after sunset, your body says, okay, it's time to start kicking in some of these healing operations. And yet with all of this artificial light at night, light pollution, if you will, we have interrupted that cycle or we've delayed it. And that's what's causing a lot of the human health impacts that we're seeing with cancers and obesities and blood pressure problems, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, the list goes on, uh, that we now know have connections to artificial light at night because we have interrupted the start or the prolongation of that nighttime cycle. Mm -hmm. Wildlife can be affected by artificial light at night as well, Yeah, right? it's not just us. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. You know, there are many animals uh, and you know, birds and, and ground animals that do things at night. They hunt at night. Um, and so if we interrupt that cycle, then they're not going to be as effective finding dinner. Um, but then there's also... Uh, you know, you think about insects or certain things that go on at nighttime with the insect population. Um, so all this artificial light at night is interrupting this, you know, billions of years long, you know, 12 hour day night cycle. I was and reading that's not good for anything. Mm -hmm. No, including that... plants, including plants. That's true. Um, I was reading something online regarding the, uh, artificial light at night and animal behavior. And I was reading something you wrote about uh, how somebody may have had like uh, scorpion problems, but they kept lights on at night in their backyard. And um, basically they were just keeping the lights on to feed the scorpions. So they were causing their own problem. Oh yeah. And you know, we just came out of uh, bad appreciation month. That was last month in October. And I think that we forget that animals need the we we need the animals too. We need them to do their jobs. Yeah. A bat, bats hunt at night, and they get so many bugs and mosquitoes, mosquitoes and pests that we really animals. don't like. But yeah. if we are negatively impacting bats, they can't do their jobs. So they're going to leave and find a different place to live and roost and and do this great pest control. And we humans don't get to benefit from it anymore. Yeah, we're chasing them away. And we simply could have reduced our light pollution to keep that wonderful mutual benefit that we have with them. Right. So you were talking about insects and scorpions. 
and you know, if people leave their white, bright white lights on at nighttime, you know, their porch lights, their driveway lights, their backyard lights, um, you know, or even just, you know, street lights. And insects get attracted to those lights and they get trapped and then they die. Uh, they fall down to the ground and the scorpions come over for dinner and mm-hmm. say, thank you very much. So if you have a scorpion problem, take a look at your lights. Uh, you know, everybody talks about bug lights, the yellow, amber kind of lights. And if you've got a scorpion problem, yeah, go ahead and change to those amber or orange lights. And there are LEDs that are available like that. So uh, low wattage, low level of illumination, and a good color. So that can help avoid a scorpion problem. That's a great and fact, simple trip. Yeah. Yeah, so simple solution. Absolutely. What are some other simple solutions that people can do to help um, reduce light pollution? Well, certainly the simplest solution is turn off lights that you do not need. You think about you've got your uh, driveway light on, you got a, a light mounted above your garage that's you know, shining two big bright floodlights shining out onto your driveway. Well, if you're not doing anything out on your driveway, why do you have those lights on? And in fact, when you pull into your driveway, are you blinded by those lights? Which means they're not doing the job that you really wanted them to do. So if you don't need those lights, turn them off. That's the simplest solution. But there are times when we need a proper amount of light to be safe. Um, So, you know, have those lights on again when you need them. If you're not out in your backyard doing something, uh, then think about, geez, why am I illuminating my backyard? Why are my lights shining into my neighbor's yard? Why am I paying my electricity bill to light up my neighbor's property? Um, They're probably not appreciating the light shining into their bedrooms, uh, interrupting their sleep. So, you know, think about those things and become a good neighbor and save yourself some money on your electricity bill as well. Uh, so there are things you can do about that. Now, people always think, well, I need a lot of light to be secure at night. I'm, I'm worried about crime in our area. Well, ask yourself, is there any crime going on in your area in the daytime when there's a lot of light, even more light in the daytime than you hopefully have on in your backyard at nighttime? Yet there's all this crime that still goes on in the daytime. Light is not an antiseptic crime. Mm-hmm. Other solutions are motion detectors. Don't create light for criminals to do stuff. Don't create harsh shadows for criminals to hide in. So the proper amount of light at the proper time, the proper brightness, uh, proper aiming of the lights can still keep you safe and still keep you secure, save you money, and be on your environment. Well, I don't need any more convincing. And I have to say, after our conversation, Mike, I immediately can think of something that I can do at my own home. I've, I do have a motion detector light. We live in the city, um, but it is probably positioned too high because sometimes it picks up traffic oh, on the street and gets, yeah, it yeah. gets triggered by that. But that would be such a simple thing that I could do in my own personal life to help with this issue. I love when there are things that you can actually do. So thank you for giving us, you know, some action there are, items. You know, motion, yeah, motion detectors are great, but if they're too sensitive, 
Um, I know of a, a, a homeowner here in Oracle who had uh, two bright lights. Unfortunately, uh, they were they were just way too bright for his purpose. But you know that's that's another scenario. Uh, but they were on motion detectors, so they were in fact off when there was no motion around. Unfortunately, they were so sensitive that bats, as they flew past the lights, would trigger the lights to turn on. Mm. Well, then the bats got trapped in the light and kept triggering the motion detector so the the lights would not go off. Oh, well, that so, doesn't help anyone. <laughs> you know, that doesn't help anyone. They, you know, the bats were not happy. You're wasting a lot of money. You're adding more light to the environment. So if your motion detector's sensitivity can be adjusted, that is something else that you can do to reduce the impact of those lights. Pack the cooler, throw on your favorite tunes, and hit the road. Memories are just a scenic drive away in Arizona's state parks. Have an outdoor adventure hiking, biking, or fishing. Take an educational outing and learn about Wild West history, or be amazed by desert plants and animals. Feeling the need to recharge? Just relax in nature with a picnic, watching the beautiful birds, or spending time on the water. Get away for the day at an Arizona State Park. Find your day trip at azstateparks.com. star party we have a few coming up and i know we've talked a lot about a lot about oracle um but there is another dark sky park um from the arizona state park system and that's in southern arizona as well it's karchner cavern state park neil i know that you really enjoy camping at this state park you're down there a lot yeah and the night sky is pretty amazing down there yeah. i mean you can see the milky way sometimes with your naked eye yeah i mean that's how awesome it is and um, always shooting stars and you can see satellites up there. It's that dark, you know, it's so, amazing. Um, I, I love Karsner and I, I'm excited for, uh, all the upcoming star parties there. Um, but I don't, it, there's not one there this year, is there? Um, well, they might be still working on that. They, you know, the, the fun thing about the star parties is that, the parks work with the local astronomy groups. And so I know at Oracle, Mike, you guys invite out the Tucson Amateur Astronomy Association, right? T T And also the Saddlebrook Skygazers Club. And the Saddlebrook uh, Skygazers Club. Right. And then Karchner, so, I think, works with the Wachuca Astronomy Association. Yes. Um, yes. So that's, it's really, what I like about your story about how Oracle came to get that designation, Mike, is that there? it was a community working together and um, coming together for a common goal and actually seeing such a change so quickly. I mean, to see something important, that designation is nice, but it's more than just nice. It's a, it's a promise. It's a promise to the community and it's a promise to all of us, the environment we live in and, and every single person. Um, and you were saying, you know, other communities can actually draw together and and do the same thing absolutely and you know um if uh, you know speaking from the state parks perspective uh, if your listeners have a state park near them um, talk to the rangers out there and you know and if you know you have a nice dark sky then you know maybe you can get the, the park support get the uh, community support to 
form a little group and get that park designated as an international dark sky park. If you live in a community that is moderately dark, does not have to be perfectly dark, but the community is willing to protect that night sky, then IDA has this international dark sky community designation that places like Flagstaff and Sedona and Fountain Hills there by Phoenix have received those designations. Oracle is planning on pursuing that designation next year because they want to protect their dark sky heritage. Uh, so we're going to be reforming the Oracle Dark Skies Committee to pursue that. Uh, but there's also an IDA international, um, let me get the, the theme right here, urban night sky place. Mm-hmm. Um, so even a community like Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, one of their parks has been designated as an urban night sky place. So there's certain requirements to go with all of these different IDA designations, but um, they're they're tailored for the locations that these places can be in. So like I say, even a park in downtown Albuquerque can qualify as, for an IDA designation. There's certain things you have to do to keep it, to get it and to keep it. Uh, but it's certainly worthwhile pursuing because that becomes a feather in that park's cap. It becomes a feather in that community's cap and brings in tourists, which brings in money. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is a program that it gets but gives back. And, um, and, and Mike, you know, this is just this is volunteerism at its finest. This is individual people. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be, um, you know, if you have an interest in something, it's a matter of taking it up and and pitching in and bringing people together. And that is volunteering at the heart of it. So whether you want to volunteer and try to create a, a committee in your local community or, or near a park, or maybe you just want to volunteer at a star party and be part of welcoming people in and um, having this new experience, there is just, well, there are a million ways to get involved as a volunteer. I think the star party is just going to one is a great first step. If you want to, um, you know, entertain the idea of helping designate another area in Arizona or just learn more about the night sky, just a star party is a great starting point. Absolutely. And one of the things that we tell people when we get asked the question, I'm thinking about buying a telescope for myself or my children uh, to let them experience things they can see in the night sky. What do I buy? Well, go to your local park at one of their star parties. Look through all the different telescopes that are at a star party. Talk to the people that are operating those telescopes. Uh, Find out what you can see and what you can't see with that particular model telescope that you're standing right next to. You will get a lot of really good information to help base your decision on, and you'll get that within a couple of hours. And And there's no other way to do that except by doing just exactly that. Right. Right. And you can find out what upcoming star parties there are in the parks at azstateparks.com slash stars. And there's other information on that webpage, including, uh, I believe, a time lapse that Mr. Mike Wiesner took of Oracle. It's really cool. And you talk in it too, Mike. So if, if the listeners want to put a face to a name, we'll put the link in the show notes. But um, you definitely share this experience, and it's it's right on our website. So thanks for doing that. 
love doing that. And, and that's one of the things that all amateur astronomers do. They love sharing the experience about being under the night sky. They want to share what opportunities that brings to people, what excitement it brings to people, what therapeutic value it brings to people, what health benefits it brings to people. And we love sharing that information. So thank you. You really do. Actually, that's one of the very fun things about a star party. Um, I've been to them before. Uh, this last one was my first one at Oracle, but I've been to other star parties. And I was talking to a group of um, a couple couples that came for date night, which I thought was really cute. Um, but it was their very first star party ever. And so when they walked up and said, so where do we go? What do we do? And, you know, don't be intimidated. It's as simple as getting close to one of the telescopes. And you will very quickly get in a conversation with one of those astronomers. They do this because they're passionate about it and they want to share that with everybody. So they're going to give you great information. They're going to make you feel really, really welcome. Um, go and enjoy. It's super easy. It, you don't need to know anything because they're going to share. They're going to share all the right things with you and you're going to walk away going, I just had an amazing experience, but I learned a lot too. And all ages. So I've been to star parties uh, out here at the park, or State Park, uh, where grandmothers are you know, bringing their grandchildren there. Mm -hmm. And both are just having such a great time uh, seeing things they probably never saw before. And it's just good, uh, inexpensive always, family fun. Yeah. You know? That's Absolutely. True. And, and, and we saw that during when COVID hit. Um, you know, people were locked at home. They couldn't go out to the theater. They couldn't go out to parks. They couldn't go out to zoos. You know, they wanted to do something with their family. So they would go out in the backyard and, oh, geez, wow, there's a night sky out there. I can see the moon. I can see some planets. If you live in a dark area, you can see a lot of stars. You can see the Milky Way. Gee, maybe we ought to get a telescope. So telescope sales from uh, like March to June of 2020, when the pandemic really got going, just went through the roof. They, most telescope resellers, the dealers, and even the manufacturers, they sold at least four times their normal Christmas business during that period of time. And unfortunately, of course, the manufacturers were all hit by COVID, so they couldn't you know, keep up with the demand for new products, um, which they're still slowly getting recovered from as we sort of hopefully get out of the pandemic situation. Um, but that sort of self-interest, self-generated interest uh, with people sitting out in their backyard wanting something to do has continued. And many people have come to the park uh, and said, hey, you know, we got started wanting to experience the night sky during COVID. And, you know, thank you for, you know, being back doing public star parties again. We love it. Yeah, it, it really is such a great activity for people. And don't delay, go to a star party because you might find a new interest that you can enjoy for the rest of your life. And Mike, how can people Absolutely. how can people get in touch with you or find out what you're doing online? Well, if you just go to Wiesner.com, you'll see our main homepage. And there's links there to uh, a lot of stuff that I'm involved with. Uh, the observatory, the, the Oracle Dark Skies Committee has a link there. Uh, so if you want to find out what I'm doing, if you want my email address, just go to Wiesner.com and I'm there. 
Heck yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, I'll tell you what, this was an exciting, fun conversation. And, uh, you know, I've kind of got a rejuvenated interest in the night sky. I mean, I think sometimes I, I see it relatively often, but I think I take it for granted. And I'm going to start looking at it a little bit differently now. So thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of talking with people. Get them excited for something they may not know that they're going to be excited about. Mm-hmm.